Welcome back to TCU's Three Wise Men, where every week your three favorite geniuses give their not-so-genius takes on TCU and other important matters. The reason I am starting us off this week and not Connor is because Saturday's game started at 1 a.m. for me, and I pushed through as much as I could. I basically made it almost to halftime before falling asleep. But I do know that we tied it up. We just got the ball back. I'm excited to hear about our last two, three-minute drive down the field in the first half and then how how bad we destroyed Iowa State in the second half. So with that, I'll hand it off to Connor and Barrett to tell me about how we did. Barrett, do you want to tell him? Not really, but I will. Um, Yeah, Jacob, sorry to burst your bubble, but we sucked (laughs) post that drive that you watched. Um, In all honesty, like, Iowa State played really well. We did not look good. Um, Weird things happen in names, to quote Connor. Um, Weird things did, in fact, happen, and – they didn't end up in our favor, unfortunately. We can't play in Ames to save our lives. It's, it's, it's honestly simple as that. It's we cannot play in Ames to save our lives. With that, uh, while Jacob didn't get to watch the second half of the game, I believe he's looked into the stats of it a little bit. I know Barrett's looked into it a little bit. So let's start with... What was it that went so wrong this game that led to such an awful outcome? I I can start us off on this one. Um, I think part of the issue was, and we talked about it in our last episode, the defensive scheme for Iowa State with that three high safety absolutely destroyed our offense. Um, Props to, I think it's, the, the middle safety for Iowa State, I think it's, his name Bo is Bo Frailer. Yeah, dude had 11 total tackles, two picks, and a pass deflection. The guy was all over the field, and we talked about it. He, he is the key point of that defense, and Iowa State's defensive backs came to play in this game. They had four total picks. Granted, one of them was on a trick play from JPR. Um they looked really good on defense. And I think they started out each of their offensive drives or the vast majority of their offensive drives in plus territory. And I'm honestly surprised that we didn't give up more points than the 27 that they put up on us. Yep. And the other thing is even with their defense, I mean, I I know I just said we never do well in Ames, but I have to say it again. We never do well in Ames. It reminded me so much of the 2017 game against Iowa State where our offense just laid a complete goose egg. I mean, we did arguably better on offense than we did that game, but we were a much better team that year. But it just, it it really reminded me that where the temperature gets a little cold, it gets nighttime and corn-fed eye winds come out at nighttime. And it just literally... We cannot move the ball on offense the minute the sun sets in Ames, Iowa. Yeah, and it doesn't help that opposing defenses have figured out that we can't throw the ball past 10 yards downfield. So they, honest to God, put all 11 players within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage and sell out to stop the run. And luckily last night that didn't, really matter for Amani because he's Amani Bailey. But it really matters for a passing game. And that took a huge hit. And I don't think it's going to improve unless Kendall Bryles can figure out a way to get the deep ball working so that we can back up the defense before the play even starts. Yeah. And and to go off of that, like Jacob said, this offense for TCU and what Kendall Browse runs is predicated on running the ball and beating you deep on play action. And if we can't throw the ball past 10 yards, like Chandler has not looked good in his deep throws. He honestly was really, really bad. He kind of sucked yesterday, this 
weekend. Um, and I'm not sure what his future looks like as TCU starting quarterback. Hoover didn't look much better. We'll see. Um, but if we cannot get that deep ball working, we are in for a world of hurt because we can rely on Amani Bailey all we want in the running game and he's going to do his thing and he's going to get his. But if we can't trust Chandler to throw the ball past 10 yards and the defense, like you said, is able to sell out and basically cut off half of our offensive scheme, then we're going to have a really, really long season. Yeah. It's already been a really, really long season and it, doesn't feel like it's getting better. Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier today, and I just, it makes so much sense that TCU is the epitome of the meme. Would you rather go to the college football playoff finals next year and then have a terrible season for 10 straight seasons? Or would you rather be above average and very solid for the next five seasons. We sold our soul. We went <laughs> to the playoff finals and now we're for what it's worth. It. I'd obviously rather just be good every year, but if I had to face that, even knowing how much this season sucks and how much we're paying for it, I'd take that trade every single time. Last year yeah. was awesome. Unfortunately, last year being awesome makes the down years hurt even more. <laughs> Every TCU fan would be lying if they said that they wouldn't have signed that agreement last year before the season starts. That was it was magic and it was once in a lifetime and it was great and here we are paying the price and it may have been worth it but man it, the price is sucking. <laughs> To, to get us back on schedule a little bit <laughs> How dare um, and not get down in the dumps. One of the things that I kind of noticed in this game is that whenever Iowa State's defense had a big play, whether it be an interception or like just um, some major kind of turning point in morale for the game, it almost always came at a time where, it's, where we were behind the chains. Um, and moving the football. So if Amani's not getting his three, four yards per carry, um, he had obviously way more than that this game, but um, if he's not getting that three, four yards in the first down and we get stuck behind the chains and Chandler is basically forced into a passing situation, obviously the defense knows that he can't put it deep. And so they're going to choke up on those shorter inside passes to JPR to Jared Wiley. And we, we saw that come into full effect in this game. We can also add special teams to the things that just are terrible. I'm wondering if honestly, we just need to shake up. Well, and I think this is the third week in a row that we've called on this podcast for a change up in management on special teams, special teams have been falling apart. And I mean, I, I compared this game to the 2017 Iowa state game, but at least in 2017, the special teams showed up here. We, it was, it was again, all I feel when I watch our special teams is exactly what Jacob just said of, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't even understand what I'm watching anymore. And to be fair to the special teams. Barrett's always here to bring us back to reality and make us happy again. You know, I try and keep it light. Major Everhart did have a good return on one of the kick returns. Um, We only had one punt return in this entire game. Um, So we didn't necessarily get to see JPR and his usefulness or worth back there. He at least caught it, which is better than JoJo. Um, (laughs) I... I will say part of that issue of not seeing really any punts in this game is because we gave Iowa State the ball in plus territory almost every single yeah. possession. Yeah. And Rocco Becht, or however you pronounce his last name, um, he wasn't forced to do anything. And we know he's okay, he's not amazing. 
Um, and that was what we were kind of hoping was that he would be forced to pass the ball a little more often and take control of the offense. And that's where our, our strength of secondary comes into play. However, they were able to get the ball close to field goal position, run the ball a few times and kick a field goal or, or score a touchdown. And they didn't have to do a whole lot on offense and which is arguably their worst area, especially their quarterback compared to their running game and compared to their defense. And like we, we got behind schedule because their defense did so well at forcing turnovers at putting their offense in a position to win. And even when the offense did move the ball a little bit and didn't hand Iowa state the ball, Jordy Sandy had three punts for 101 yards. That's an average of like 34 yards per punt. That is terrible. Terrible. And then he also had been playing as a punter for 47 years. You should be able to do better than that. Exactly. And he had a punt blocked as well, which isn't necessarily the punter's fault. They need to block for him. But come on. Well, all that being said, was there we, – we always look at what went wrong. What went right, if anything at all went right? I, I touched on Major Everhart's return. Um, I thought that was a good play on, in an area where we need to see improvement. Um. Amani Bailey, I would say, unfortunately, is like the one shining spot of our team right now. Uh, he had over 150 yards, and he looked great, over five yards of carry. So I mean, he, he was our offense during this game when, when whoever throwing the football couldn't get the, that done, Amani stepped up to the plate and did his part. Yeah, the other part that went well would be the defense. I thought they played relatively well today. They were put in some difficult positions. But ultimately, it wasn't their fault that we lost this game. It absolutely wasn't their fault. The same way when we had the Colorado game and I got on and said, look, 42 points should be enough. And we can't hold it against the offense because they did their job we're kind of looking at the same deal from this game 27 points is improvable but especially in the big 12 27 points is nothing your defense holds the other team to 27 points you should be able to win that game and it can't be on the defense as much as we like to blame the defense this year it has been the slow degradation of the offense's fault. Yeah, and and to go off of that, I like you guys hear us talking about how the defense played well, and like, well, yeah, they they put up twenty seven points. How could that possibly be playing well? But if you look at the position that our defense was placed in, starting every single drive, pretty much in our territory or like right around our territory, they they. Iowa State should have scored more points than they did, in all honesty. Putting up 27 points shows that our defense stepped up to the plate, and regardless of being put in a bad position every single drive, they they did their best and held them to like a reasonable amount of points. I, I'd like to see another defense put into the positions ours was in, hold that team to 27 points. In reality, if we were a good team, we wouldn't have given them the ball in that position so often. But from the defense's perspective, I mean, what what more could you ask of them in such positions? They they really did do a good job. Our defense gave up two drives of over 39 yards. No, 49 yards. Two drives of over 50 yards this game. One resulted in a touchdown, the other was in a field goal. Their other scoring drives were 49-yard touchdown, 
three yards for a field goal. That was the blocked punt. Uh, 38 yards for a touchdown. And everything else was pretty much five plays or less. When you look at that, we hold everything up. Our two, every time it's over 50 yards, it's 10 points we gave up when it's over 50 yards. If we actually play that game where we're not even our offense is scoring more, but our offense is just giving them the ball in worse position, that's a winnable game. But it's you are your defense can only hold so much, and they they really held together well. And the fact that of the two scoring drives, they got over 50 or where there were over 50 yards, one of them that held them to a field goal. I mean, there really was only one drive where they had more than 50 yards and walked away with a touchdown. In addition to the defense and Imani playing well, I do want to give props to Josh Uber. I know that. He didn't necessarily start off the game well. I think he fumbled pretty early on. Uh, and he had an interception. But that's a hard position to be thrown into. Middle of the third quarter, you're down. Your team's trying to make a comeback. You are you have had very little time on the field because even against Nichols, we didn't go up by enough to, ha- to give him playing time. But I think... He, it was 11 for 19, 119 yards, a touchdown and an interception. And after he settled down, he spun the ball well. His throws looked good. I think a week with the first-team offense this week is going to do him good. I saw Chandler's injury is an MCL injury. I hope I hope that he has a fast recovery. Um Nobody likes to see an injury. But I think there is optimism with Hoover. He threw the ball well. He moved around well. We'll have to see what happens. And on top of next. that, on top of that, we, we put up the billboards when we played in Phoenix that said uh horn frogs horn frog dear lord, horn frogs thrive in the desert. And as much as a fun gimmicky billboard that is. There's a degree of truth to it that, generally speaking, our boys play well when it's warmer. And we play really badly in the cold. The banner said it the whole time. I think this is the third time I've said it. We play really badly in Ames. We're not talking next week about a 50-degree night game. We're talking about 70 degrees in Fort Worth. And Hoover is going to handle that better than he's going to handle a rock-hard ball in 50-degree weather. I don't like the cold, and neither do we. Okay? F all of you. I think we were just laughing that you said rock hard balls. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even notice that. You know what? You know what? Here, we've got a clip. Everybody listening, look me in the eye. I'm telling you right now. Hoover's coming out big next week. We're winning our next six games. And when we finish this season with Hoover carrying us to a bowl, a bowl game, you all can suck Hoover's rock hard balls. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> getting us back on topic again. Aaron, stop <laughs> doing that. Uh, last thing I'll add to what went well, and um, before we move on to the awards for the game, is our I, th- I thought our safeties played well. Mark Perry and Bud Clark. Perry had five tackles and a pass breakup. Bud Clark didn't have any tackles, but he had two broken up passes. They actually both looked pretty good, all things considered. I know, obviously, Iowa State ran the ball a lot, so they're not going to get involved unless they're making tackles. And at that point, if your safety is the one making the tackle, that's probably not a great thing. But I thought they did well, so props to them. Yeah, all right. Well, having hit what went well and having hit what didn't go well, uh, who deserves our golden player of the week? Uh, who, who, which one of you guys wants to take this one? I'll take it. Um, it's gotta be Imani Bailey. He was the best player, I think, on the field, at least in the first half. He was the best player on the field, it was, and that was pretty obvious. So... He's back in our awards after a week out last week. Golden player goes to Imani Bailey. 
The star of Amani. Star of Amani never fails. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll take our uh, Franken sensational player. We are giving that to Bud Clark. Like we just said, we kind of hit on it a little bit. He did a good job. Didn't get the tackles, but had those broken up passes. Iowa State isn't exactly a monster of an offense, but they were in some tough positions. The defense as a whole played well, and Bud Clark continued to be the stud that he is capable of being. Hasn't been every game this season, but he really does show that talent when he does. And last but not least, Barrett, who do we want Murr out of? Yeah, so um, I'm not going to pick one specific player, but I'm going to say whoever is throwing the football, whether that be Chandler, whether that be Hoover, whether that be JP, um, <laughs> I I don't care who is throwing the football. I just want to see improvement. Uh, one thing I will add here, Iowa State's defense, I've talked a lot about it. You guys know I, I like it a lot. One stat line I want to share with you guys here. Iowa State's top four leading tacklers were all defensive backs. Every single one of them. And they had a combined, what is that? Like almost 30 tackles between four defensive backs. That's a lot. Um, And that that kind of goes to show how important their secondary is to their defense. And I, I think they do a good job of limiting quarterbacks and of, obviously picking on quarterbacks who are making poor decisions as exhibited by this week. So going out of that, I just want to see more out of our passing game. I want to see them. I'm sorry. What you want to see what out of our passing game? Sorry. I want to see Murr out of our passing game. Thank you very much. I want them to be able to hit a freaking deep ball. (laughs) At this point, I'd like to see anything out of our passing game. After the first quarter. After the well, yes, it was that that glorious. That you, although the first drive wasn't exactly magical in the first quarter. Yeah. Anyways, let's flush all of that out and talk about Young Brigham University. Just looking at a couple players that we need to know. It all comes down on offense to. Keaton Slovis. He he is their offense. He's not mobile, so quarterback spy is not really a thing we need to look at here. But the guy's got a cannon, and as his throwing goes, the offense goes. He has 10 touchdowns to three interceptions with 1,240 yards. We got to get pressure on him. We need to make him uncomfortable. If that means bringing four or five, do it. Uh, Because their running game isn't particularly good either. They have one running back with over 30 yards. LJ Martin. He has 72 carries for 289 yards. I'm not particularly worried about him. We need to stop the passing game. Which is unfortunate because generally when our defense is playing well, it's our rush defense that is playing best but that's going to mean a little bit less but like we said bug clark was great this week our past defense has has the ability and our defense has been getting better at the expense of our offense getting worse and we really could stop that passing game i just hope we do one thing i will say about slovis before you continue on having watched him play Arkansas. He is not an accurate quarterback. He has a great arm. He's not very accurate. Um, So I think this is a game where, and I've eaten these words before, so I'm (laughs) going to say it again. I think this is a game where our secondary can actually play really well. Bud Clark for Heisman. The campaign restarts (laughs) next Saturday. (laughs) On defense... BYU has a couple guys who TCU fans need to watch out for. The biggest two, though, are Max Tooley and Jacob Robinson. Max Tooley leads them in total tackles. He has 38 of them. He also has an interception and a sack. He's their, probably their best defender. He's a linebacker. Uh, Jacob Robinson is a corner who leads them with three interceptions 
and two pass def- two passes defended, and he also has a touchdown. Those two guys are the big ones who I think it's going to be Josh Hoover needs to watch out for next weekend. Yeah, yeah. And to, to kind of go off of this and go into all of the schemes and stuff, so head coach Kalani Sataki, he is a former BYU running back. He's been there for like eight years, so he's been around for a long time. Their offensive coordinator, his name's Aaron Roderick, and he's been around for a while in and out of different roles for BYU. And their offensive scheme is something that's commonly known as like the power spread, which is similar to what Bryles runs, honestly. Well, then we're done. It sucks then. (laughs) It's predicated on running the football in the middle and having a spread offense on the outside. So basically they're having really strong interior offensive line for blocking Um, because you won't have the tight ends in close. You won't have the quarterback under center most of the time. Now, going off of that, BYU is not a particularly good running team. Actually, I would say they're particularly bad at running the football. (laughs) They were averaging, I want to say it's like 70 yards a game or something crazy low. And so I don't expect that to be an issue. We're really going to have to key in on Keaton Slovis. But to talk about the schemes, like it's a zone blocking scheme and it's predicated on running the outside zone. So that's like what their keys to their offense are. Now that they haven't been particularly good at it, but hey, that's what this system is. Um, going on to the defensive side, Jay, Jay Hill is their defensive coordinator. He's the former Weber State head coach. He was perennial fantastic. Powerhouse. Huh? Yeah, perennial powerhouse, powerhouse. And he actually was a perennial, perennial powerhouse. In they all actually were. I've never once been kidding when I've said that. Um, he, he had a really good record at Weber state and he's a good coach. He runs a four, three multiple scheme. So like the base system will be typically like a four, three, but they'll throw a lot of different looks out. Um, he's got a particularly complicated system in terms of he throws a lot of different plays and a lot of different schemes. And so this is his first year as DC for BYU. So there's going to be some bumps for the BYU team and the players in terms of learning that system. Um, I think they're like far enough into the season now where we probably have gotten out of most of those kinks, but that is something to keep an eye on uh, in terms of blown coverages. Saw a lot of that against Arkansas. Um, They're particularly aggressive at rushing the passer. Um, He'll send a lot of blitzes. He'll send a lot of guys to get after probably Hoover this week if Chandler can't play. Um, So hopefully Hoover does well under pressure. It's based off of Utah's system, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, And it's predicated on a strong, like, linebacker safety group. All righty. I'm trying to find more on Chandler's injury. Twitter, Ray Cartwright says... TCU quarterback Chandler Moore sustained MCL injury to the same knee he injured last year. Oh, that's tough. I feel for the guy because he lost the starting job last year and he got it back this year, injures the same knee. Insert max 2.0. We can. I told you what's happening in the next six games. The question is if. It's something like a torn MCL or of that nature. Has Chandler Morris played his last game in a TCU uniform? We have Haas Heine coming in, or Haas Haney coming in next year. Uh, stud four-star QB. Josh Hoover. I'm a, We have to bring in a transfer quarterback as well next year that's a non-negotiable even dropped the ball like that this year even if Chandler doesn't transfer we have to bring in a transfer quarterback next year because Chandler's first of all not reliable to make it through a season second of all not necessarily reliable when he's playing we need to have more talent and we need to be looking for it and if we pick up anybody in the transfer portal that's serious motivation for him to leave 
you're probably I don't know what I'm talking about. And whenever I don't know what I'm talking about, I defer to know that Jacob is one of the three wisest men I know. And I trust his call. So if if you're feeling it, I don't see him coming back next year. Yeah. I. Although that should be taken with a grain of salt that after the Baylor game, I placed a $200 bet down that Max Duggan would transfer. So clearly I'm no expert. (laughs) I I tend to agree with Jacob here. I think that if Hoover comes in, plays well, regardless of if Chandler is out for the season or if he's coming back in a couple of games, if Hoover comes in, plays well, I think Sonny has seen enough to where he could realistically take Chandler out of that starting position for one for this year. And then leading into next year, like I'm sure that – I would be shocked if we don't bring in a solid transfer quarterback. And I think Haas Haney is a good freshman quarterback coming in. We need to get some guy who can hit the deep ball. That's like a key part of this offensive scheme. And if we can't do that, then we're in trouble. And Chandler's proven that he can't. So I, I tend to agree with Jacob here. I think that there is a distinct possibility of – Chandler having played his last game in a frog uniform. Yeah, and even if Haas comes in next year, he should not have to start as a true freshman. There are just too few success stories that come out of that. Um, this all being said, our uh, our guest genius for this week just arrived. Those of you who follow us on Twitter will note that we now have 100 followers, and our 100th follower was Dylan, who's now on the show with us this week. Thank you for joining us, brother. What's up, guys? Dylan, before we dive into uh, stuff for around the Big 12 and games for next week, you want to give us a, a take or two on this last game we had against West Virginia? West Virginia or last night? Oh, my gosh, Iowa State. I'm sorry. I got plenty Dear to say Lord. about that. <laughs> Sorry, I can't remember which game I was suffering from that I'm upset about right now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I just think it's like was just awful. Watch like Bailey, especially run for 150 average seven yards a carry. Like that's insane. And we score basically seven points, get a garbage time TD. And then, I mean, this is a team that we beat by 50 late last year. Wild. Cause like the game last, I mean, I was at the game last year. It was like never even like in question. So this is this is the team that we beat by fifty that was riddled with gambling accusations and didn't even have the players that we beat by fifty last year. A little around the Big Twelve. Okay, couple things. One, what on earth was you guys take away from K State, Oklahoma State? I can't tell if I decided that we can beat both of them or if it's that they're both going to beat us. I definitely picked one of those two things though. I don't think we play Oklahoma State. Yeah, but I said can, not that we will. Ah, well, right now I'm not terribly confident that we can beat anybody, especially not at home because we play Kansas State in Manhattan. So We are picked to beat, for what it's worth, unrelated. We can't beat anybody. But all that being said, we are picked to beat BYU still. Even after all this, we're picked by five. He did it. He's still doing it. But anyway, back to K-State, Oklahoma State. Yeah, we've we've said this before. As Will Howard goes, so K State goes. Will Howard had a hundred rushing yards and a touchdown, which is cool, but he also had three picks. Yeah. And he was kind of trash this game. And so K State ended up losing to a not so good Oklahoma State team. I uh, I placed a bet with a guy on Twitter this past week that Texas would lose to either K State or TCU or both. And he said there wasn't a chance that they lose to K-State. And I was like, well, there is a chance. It depends entirely on which Will Howard shows up. Because if one Will Howard shows up, Texas is going to beat them by 70. And if the other Will Howard shows up, K-State will win in overtime. (laughs) Dylan, what about you? What were your takes on the K-State-Oklahoma State game? Anything? That game, if I remember correctly, didn't K-State jump out pretty early on? Um, yeah, it was 10 0 right off the bat. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they settled down, but 
I think if anything, it just shows like the depth of the conference isn't really there. Cause I mean, is an Oklahoma state team that, I mean, we've probably been honking on this all season, but you got blown out by South Alabama. Yeah. And then now they're beating K state who lost Missouri. It's just like, I just think it's, it's just as maybe just as competitive as last year, but not like the quality is just gone. It's, it's I, I really agree with that. It's as competitive as last year, but it's we're all competing at a much lower yeah. level. <laughs> all right. I don't think we really need to talk about this one much, but I need to address it. Tech beat Baylor, Reckham, that whole shtick. Then, most importantly, one down, two to go. Texas loses to Oklahoma and Dallas. What do we think, boys? Texas is officially not back. My two more losses are coming, boys. This was a back-and-forth game, the entire game. Um, I thought that Quinn Ewers looked good for, like, a large portion of that game. And then there were certain drives where he was just terrible, like absolutely terrible. Um, Obviously, he had two picks. One of them was kind of a, like, batted up the wide receiver just got absolutely blown up by the safety, <laughs> um, which that was fun to watch in all honesty. <laughs> but um, props to Oklahoma. Under nine and a half always was a lock. Anyone who listens to this knows that I definitely didn't deeply doubt it last week and I will never doubt it. Easy money with that. We can talk a little bit about what is to come. Um, First, I'll give us our updates from last week. Uh, I have come to the conclusion, I don't know how it's being done. All I know is that it's being done. I know I'm the one who picks the games, but somehow Barrett and Jacob are cheating. And that's the only possible explanation for why I did so poorly last week. With my grand total of nine points. Uh, On the flip side, Jacob and Barrett, the cheaters, walked away with 18 and 16 points respectively. But the most important takeaway from last week was that Mrs. Throwback Frog walked away with 17 points, demonstrably beating Mr. Throwback Frog. We'll see how Dylan does this week. I don't think he has quite the rivalry that Mrs. and Mr. Throwback Frog had, but hopefully he runs away with it. Um, and lastly, we uh, I have to announce our mystery game. Those of you who follow us on Twitter will already have seen that it was Friday night. So having looked at the Friday night games, it was a high-scoring nail-biter. So everyone obviously knows just from that alone that it was Texas high school football Midland Legacy versus Friendship. I really, 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 really wanted Friendship to win. I had a lot better memes lined up for Friendship winning. But you know what? Life isn't like the movies. Friendship isn't enough to get you there. It doesn't always get the win. Midland Legacy took Friendship down 63 to 56. And Midland Legacy was team number one. So... Those of you who picked team number one and were not named Connor did great last week. (laughs) All that being said, we've got a whole new lineup this week. First game we have got is BYU at TCU. Who are you going with, Jacob? You guys aren't going to be very happy with me. End the call. I'm going to pick the upset. I have BYU beating TCU. All right. Barrett, who are you going with? Uh, I don't feel confident in picking the Frogs because of how we've looked, and especially if Chandler is potentially not playing. That being said, I'm still going to pick them. I think our run defense will stop BYU's, I guess, lack of a rush offense and make it solely on Keaton Slovis, and I think our secondary is good enough to force some turnovers. All right, Dylan? If I was wagering money on it, it would go towards BYU, I would unfortunately say. But since there's no money, I'm still going to roll with the Frogs. 
okay, I have a rule against betting on my own team, but I might do it just to F all of y'all. I would rather put a shotgun to the roof of my mouth than bet against the frogs. <laughs> the answer is that TCU is winning and you are all bad people. Next, we have West Virginia at Houston. West Virginia, easy. I think it's it's very realistic that we see West Virginia in or very close to being in the Big 12 championship this year. They play Oklahoma. That's their best competition for the rest of the year. And granted, Oklahoma is really good. But there is a significant drop-off between Oklahoma and everybody else they play. West Virginia, trust the climb. They got a chance to go and put together a really special season. So going off of that, if you guys have kept up with like West Virginia's Twitter sphere or anything, it's honestly hilarious because their entire fan base absolutely hates Neil Brown, like with a burning passion. And they've been vying for him to get fired for a long time. And all of them think that all of these wins for this season have been just kind of falling into his lap, which is honestly kind of fair. That being said, I think they lose to Houston this week. <laughs> I think they've they've looked good against good teams, and for whatever reason, they just put up a stinker against Houston. All right, Dylan? I got to go with the Mountaineers. Probably, I'd say, by at least 10. I, uh, I think I'm implementing a similar rule with Houston that I have with Baylor, where I'm simply not picking them this season. Not <laughs> out of any animosity towards Houston, but just because... I watched our not-so-good TCU team pick them apart. I was at the Tech game where they very not-so-good Tech with a backup quarterback picked them apart. It's very hard to bet on Houston. <laughs> I'm going with West Virginia. I'm right, not can't... confident with that pick by any means. But... <laughs> <laughs> right, I Here's the, the most convincing selling point all of Houston has is that Barrett picked against all of us. Houston, that's the only thing that could convince me on Houston. Um, that being said, next we've got K-State at Texas Tech. Jacob. I think I'm going to go with the Red Raiders here. Weird things happen in Ames, but even weirder things happen in Lubbock. So I'm, I'm rolling with Tech. All right, Jacob. Or Barrett, dear Lord. Uh, I think we get the Dr. Jekyll version of Will Howard this week, and he actually plays well. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say let's go K State. All right, I like the Dr. Jekyll version of Will Howard. All right, Dylan, what are we getting here? Yeah, Lubbock's definitely wild, but I'm gonna say uh, K State comes back refreshed, handles business, and uh, gets out of there. All right. Well, here's the thing. Keteris Barabas, K-State wins this game. However, this is not all things being equal. Things are not equal. There is one very important factor that is going to win this game for Texas Tech, and that is that I personally will be hitting Will Howard with a tortilla. <laughs> Texas Tech is winning this game. Wreck him, baby. Iowa State at Cincy. Jacob. You know, I think leading up to this week, New Big 12 editions are like one and eight. And this, the one is against another Big 12 edition. Exactly. So I think this week is the week that they kind of turn it around. I'm going to take Cincy against Iowa State. Barrett. This game's going to be an absolute rock fight. It's going to be terrible to watch. Both these teams have really good defenses. Um, that being said, I think Iowa State pulls this one out. All right, Dylan. I'm gonna roll with Jacob in Cincinnati. I think they uh, think they're down for their first win, or Big Twelve win. So I agree with Jacob and Dylan. I'm going with Cincy. The line is Cincy by three and a half. And I was on the phone with my brother today, and I told him you couldn't pay me to touch that with a ten foot pole. This game terrifies me. I think it'll be Cincy, but I have genuinely no idea what's coming with this game. 
All right, last Big 12 game, Kansas at OK State. Up to last week, I would have said Kansas by 60. Now I honestly just think it's Kansas by 40. Uh, I'm rolling with the Jayhawks here. All right, Barrett. They're going to ride the bean to the promised land. <laughs> uh, KU by 90. Uh, Dylan? I got to keep going. Hawks win by at least 30. I think it's going to be a big one. Oklahoma State had an impressive game against K-State, but I think that, again, was more what we've said all season, that they go with Will Howard and how he goes. There is no reason Kansas should not run away with this game, given that one to Kansas. Now, a couple other things around the country. we got Oregon at Washington. Jacob? This will be a good game, but I think Oregon wins. Eric? Yeah, a couple high-powered offenses. Oregon's defense looks pretty good. Um, I think Michael Penix Jr. pulls this one out, though. I think Wazoo wins this one. I think Bo Nix has a stinker of a game. Is it Wazoo, Washington State? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> the other Washington. <laughs> Dylan. Man, I'm disappointed this is the same time as the TCU game, but um going to roll with uh, Washington. Got to stick with the purple. Um. I watched Oregon play in person a few weeks ago, and they were very beatable. I have not watched Washington play at all on television or in person. My brother swears up and down that he thinks they're the best team in the country. So I'll ride with my little brother's delusional take and say Washington. Um, And maybe not delusional. I haven't watched. A&M at Tennessee. Jacob. This is... This is a battle of like slightly above average teams. They mid off, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have no clue. I guess I'm going to take Tennessee just because they're at home. That's my exact thought process. I know it's not my turn, but that's my answer too. Barrett. Uh, I'm going to ride with AM's defensive line and assume that. They forced Joe Milton to throw a bunch of picks because of pressure. That's all I got going into this. So let's ride with AM. All right, Dylan. <laughs> I got to go with the Aggies. Uh, okay. Yeah, coming off a strong game. I mean, they lost kind of last minute, but I think they'll uh, keep the kind of head wave going. Uh, I am riding exactly with Jacob. I think this is a mid-off. I think Tennessee's home, so I'll give it to Tennessee. USC at Notre Dame. I already know Barrett's pick, but we're starting with Jacob anyway. Jacob, who are you going with? I think I'm going to go with Notre Dame because USC's defense is just so, so bad. So I think Notre Dame rides their running offense this week, and – controls the clock, and doesn't let Caleb Williams get going. Dylan? Or wait, Barrett, I forgot. I Just because I know yours doesn't mean I can skip you. Barrett. Okay, but like you put me in a really tough position because <laughs> USC is my sister's alma mater, so I inevitably have to bet against them, but then I also always bet against Notre Dame. <laughs> um. So, inevitably, I hope both teams don't have fun. Um. That being said, blood is thicker than Catholicism, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bet with Notre Dame on this one. Let's go, Dylan. Give me the Trojans. I've seen USC collapse or Notre Dame collapse in front of my eyes before. I don't like them. Never like them. So I don't think anybody likes Notre Dame. I like <laughs> Notre Dame. And I just bought a book on the Notre Dame offense called The Crusades, The World's Defense. <laughs> Notre Dame is bringing it home, boys. Nobody expects Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> Miami at UNC, Jacob. Oh, UNC. What's the spread on this? Because take UNC with the points. Miami 
might have had the most depressing loss <laughs> I've ever seen <laughs> last weekend. You couldn't script a loss worse than my – honestly, we're not going to talk about Miami's loss because I'm not going to do it this justice. If you're a listener and you didn't see it, I want you to pull it up and find it because you need to watch – the worst or second worst team, I don't know if I hate Florida or Miami more, in Florida, collapse. All right, Barrett, who are you taking? All right, so it's confirmed the lesser Miami. Um, by the way, Miami of Ohio is also 5-1. and one. And so, and they won last week, so they're better, even though they played earlier and got stomped by Miami of Miami. But That was a fluke game. They would have won if they played. Yeah, game. that's neither here nor there. Um I'm picking whoever's playing against Miami, lesser Miami. Dylan? Yeah, give me uh, North Carolina, too. I can't imagine being a player on that team and having to go go to practice. Like, how, how do you even interact with your coach at that point? <laughs> like, All right. I am going with UNC as well because this is obviously the choice. Um, and I have got to say – I checked the spread, and I just updated my bets this week. I'm so glad Jacob brought it up. UNC is picked by three and a half. That's it. I will be hammering UNC minus three and a half. Next, and then our last of the first round less important games, we have UCLA at Oregon State. Jacob. Oregon State. Easy. Eric. Yeah, give me DJ ukulele all the way. Um, by the way, I I mentioned Miami, Ohio. This is off topic, but I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> Barrett is always getting us off topic. I'm sick of the way he does that. Um, Miami of Ohio, 5-1. and one. Guess who is also 5-1? and one? That's right, the Wyoming Cowboys. Go Cowboys. We've been Cowboys fans since week one on this podcast. Yes, we have. I'm a tech student, and I rooted for Wyoming that week. I think it might have been week we zero. Do, yeah, you're right. You're right. We've been Cowboys since since the beginning. All right, Dylan, Oregon State at uh, – or UCLA at Oregon State. I got to roll with the Beavs as well, but uh, UCLA did look, pull out a pretty good win this week, so I think it'll be close. Um, I'm riding with Oregon State. The Pac-2 is riding strong, and – also their home. I do have to say though, just to continue on our off topic trend, I do have a wonderful shirt from a time TCU played Oregon state in a sport that says the horny toads will lick the beavers. And this feels like as good a time as any to broadcast that next (laughs) we've got the important games. We are on to round two. These are our three point games. We have NC A and T at Delaware. All right, North Jacob. Carolina a and I, I got to rock with my hometown team in CANT here, uh, and I don't think it'll be particularly close. I know their band is typically better than their football team, but that is not the case this year. All right, Barrett. Yeah, I'm going to ride with NCANT as well. Um, Plug for Drumline is a good movie. That's a cool band sports movie. That's all I got. <laughs> all right, Dylan. Delaware. Aren't they like a bird of some sort? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's why. But they all have right. but they have the helmets that look that Michigan copied. <laughs> Michigan copied. <laughs> uh, well, NCANT has been my uh, phone provider for 20 years, so I've been loyal this long. I'll stay with them. NCANT is. <laughs> Next, we have Frostburg State at Concord. Jacob. At where? Concord. C-O-N-C-O-R-D. Uh, um, <laughs> I think I'm going to go with Frostburg State just because their name is awesome. That's why I picked this game. So I yeah. like that idea. Very <laughs> I can't cop out with the directional school in this one. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea where either of these are. Um, Outside of the fact that Concord is the state capital. So let's go with Concord. Sure. Wait, do you know the the state capital of this, like of what state? (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, or do you just roughly know it's a state capital? I think it's New Hampshire. Okay, so we think this school is in New Hampshire. All right. Who'd you end up picking? I'm sorry, I got distracted. Concord. Concord. All right. Dylan. Yeah, I got to go Concord, too. Made me think of the Battle of Concord. As a patriot, I have to shout out the Revolutionary War. So, uh, All right. It is New wrong. Hampshire. It is Let's New Hampshire. Go. Y'all are wrong. Concord is getting conquered. Frostburg State by 90. Book it now. Place your bets. Last one of this round. I've got MIT at Merchant Marine. When I was looking at the logo, it didn't look like the MIT you'd be thinking of, but I don't know that it's not the MIT you'd be thinking of either. So I have a an MIT... At Merchant Marine. <laughs> it's the Minnesota Institute of Technology. Uh, what was the second one? The Marine? Something? Merchant Marine. Merchant Marines against MIT. This is this is a classic battle of brain versus brawn. I think. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with Merchant Marine. All righty. Barrett. Yeah, Merchant Marine. They'll give you some sick deal on some combat boots. Um, let's let's ride with the Marine Corps. <laughs> Dylan. Same here. Support the troops. Go Merchant. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. Until this moment, I was thinking of Merchant Marine like a boat owner's warehouse. Not, I was thinking of the other kind of Marine. <laughs> it probably is... Like a boating school. Some now, like as as a Floridian, to my core, I owe it to a school that is a boating school. I, I think I got my boater's license when I was 12 from Merchant Marine. I really want to support them as an alumni, but I need to go against y'all so I can get some points because I'm down bad. So I am going to go with an MIT. You're just digging a deeper grave. At this I point. am not. This MIT is running away with it. All right. Last but not least, we have our mystery game. In our mystery game, we, um, as always, I have had Excel pick for me. I am going with team one. Jacob, who do you got? Team one did it for me last week. But they won't this week. Team two. <laughs> Barrett. So far, I am two for two picking on team one. So I think I'm 0 for two picking on team two. So I'm just going to keep riding with team one until they prove me otherwise. You said team one? Yeah. All right. And Dylan, team one or two? I got to roll with one. I don't know why. Roll with one. I have to. All right, I'm horrified that Jacob is alone as two. That's his opportunity to run away when he's already running away, as the scoreboard shows. We really, really, really need a Team 1 victory this week. Um, this all being said, last week I was up $18 when we last spoke. I would not like to answer how I'm doing now. <laughs> However... The next time we speak again, I will be positive. And that is because in a weeknight game, Jacksonville State is winning. Moneyline, Jacksonville State, and Jacksonville State plus six and a half. I've been riding them all season. I've been riding them basically ever since they beat Florida State and made me want to kill myself. But they have done what I needed them to do. Next up, Sam Houston is O and everything. But dang it, they've been close every time. They're finishing strong this next one. They're going to make it. Sam Houston money line and Sam Houston plus six. West Virginia is picked to lose. That can't be right. I have to have written this down wrong. West Virginia has to be picked to win. But they're only picked by four. So I'm taking West Virginia with the points because they're going to blow Houston out of the water. Texas Tech money line, got to go with my Raiders here. They are not going to lose to K-State because, as I've already said, I am personally assuring this game will be a victory. 
thank the Lord, my Georgia girlfriend just went to the bathroom. So she's not going to hear me picking Vanderbilt plus 31. <laughs> 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 Georgia Stobichet, I got a middle finger, but I am not going to give up a, min- a money-making strategy here. <laughs> Kansas by three and a half, because there is no way that Kansas only beats Oklahoma State by three and a half. And... Boise minus seven. I think Boise might suck this year, but I love them. And in my heart, I want them to do well. So I'm taking Boise minus seven. And lastly, I added this to my list during this episode, UNC minus three and a half, because it is not about the U. They suck enormously. Go UNC. With all that, thank you all for tuning in. It's been another phenomenal episode. Thank you, Dylan, for joining us. Thank you all for listening to your three favorite geniuses and our guest genius talk, give our not so genius takes of all things TCU football and other things around the country. See you next week and go frogs. With big savings on Hoover cleaners. Of course, Hoover doesn't sell tents. But the Kmart tent sale, every Hoover cleaner is on sale. Like this Hoover upright with 4.8 amp motor and tools, just $79.84. The new double duty wet and dry rechargeable handbag is just $29.97. And the self-propelled concept one with power surge is just $189. Get big Hoover savings all this week at the